Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be talking with David Korn of Mother Jones. I'm really excited. We're going to be discussing his latest article on the Durham Report. We're also going to be talking about his book, American Psychosis. So much to talk about, but before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with David Korn. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Kimberly. Great to be here. You don't even know how happy I am to have you here. I have so many questions for you and you are the man to talk to. Um, Okay, so let's just dive right into this. I want to start because I don't know, I haven't been following uh, the Durham report very closely. Obviously, you've written about it. So uh, you just wrote a piece called How John Durham Succeeded by Failing. And you wrote that his report was a dud, um, but it did provide ammo. Uh, to Trump and his minions for their crusade to deflect attention from Russian attack, from the Russian attack. But here's what you wrote in the article, and then I want you to talk about it. Uh, Yet Durham did accomplish an important mission. He continued to focus attention on the great Russian deflection and provided material for the Trump-Russia denialists who have refused to acknowledge a fundamental reality of the 2016 campaign. Russia attacked the election to help Trump And Trump and his aides aided and abetted that assault by denying it was happening and signaling to Moscow that they welcomed its effort to undermine democracy. So we're seeing Jake Tapper saying Trump is exonerated. And uh, I just want you to talk about this now. Yeah, I mean, let's stick with the big issue. What the heck happened in 2016? Yeah. We know. We know from the Robert Mueller report FBI investigations, from what the intelligence community said, from what a report issued in 2020 by the bipartisan Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee, that there is no doubt that the Russians attacked the Mm -hmm. 2016 election by hacking the DNC and then hacking John Podesta and strategically releasing this material in order to help Trump. They also hated Hillary Clinton and they wanted to stop her but they also wanted to help Trump. We know that the leaks that came out in October, the last four weeks of the campaign, were very harmful to Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. and created a lot of headwinds for her. We know that this election was won by Trump on a razor-thin majority in in a few states. Not overall, of course. He lost the popular vote overall. And that you can name, I don't know, a dozen different factors that were each decisive. Change any one of them, and you change the outcome of the race. It could be what Hillary did with going to Arizona instead of Wisconsin. I mean, that's not just all the Russian stuff, but Russia is one of those decisive turning points. And we know, because we saw it happen with our own eyes, that throughout the campaign, Trump said that Russia was not doing this. He provided mm-hmm. cover for this attack. That's how he aided and abetted. He also encouraged the attack by saying, come on, hack Hillary Clinton. And also when his top aides, uh, Paul Manafort, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, his son, Don Jr., met with a Russian emissary at Trump Tower, who they were told 
was part of a secret Russian effort to help Trump win. Yeah. So by meeting with this person, they signaled to Russia, you know, not publicly, privately with a secret meeting, that they were okay with what Russia was doing. Mm -hmm. So we know all that. That should be all that we've talked, you've been talking about for the last seven years. Instead, mm -hmm. Trump and his minions have tried to change the subject. They've tried to make the Russia scandal not about all the things I just mentioned, but about the FBI investigation and particularly how the FBI investigation was begun, whether it was begun legitimately or whether it was begun as part of a deep state scheme to stop Trump from becoming a president and then to sabotage his presidency once he was in the White House. And that's what they've gone on and on and on about for the last seven years. It's a very, very smart strategy because mm -hmm. they're not arguing what the Russians did. They're not even arguing about what Trump did. They're arguing about this other matter. And they point to the Steele dossier, which the FBI used inappropriately to mm -hmm. get one surveillance warrant for one, you know, Trump campaign aid. Mm -hmm. and, but they go on and on about this and and then they start lying and saying that the campaign, excuse me, that the investigation was triggered by the Steele dossier, which it isn't. Even Durham's final report recognizes that, you know, they, the FBI had the Steele dossier months after it started the investigation. But that's what they've been going on about for five, six, seven years now. Um, and not just Trump, it's his defenders in Congress. It's the right wing media because they want to make this issue about that. And mm -hmm. Bill Barr, looking to back this up when he was attorney general, looking to back up Trump's conspiracy theory that there was a deep state plot against him and that everything was a hoax, he appointed, you know, he first used John Durham when he was a U.S. attorney to investigate the initiation of the FBI investigation. And then at the end of the Trump administration, he named them special counsel, so his work would continue after Joe Biden became president and a Democrat took over the, the Justice Department. So Durham's been on the case for four years. He spent $7 million, and in the end of the day, he found nothing. Nothing. He found nothing of significance. You know, he, there's in his, in his 316 page report, there is a lot of stuff about FBI wrongdoing regarding that one surveillance warrant I mentioned, mm -hmm. but a lot of that has been revealed and covered already uh, by the Justice Department's own Inspector General report that came out in 2019, so over three years ago. Uh, so, but you know, he goes on and about that, but he, he he found no major crimes here, which was the point of a special counsel. It's to look for crimes. He found one FBI attorney who fudged, a, you know, an email in order to get that surveillance warrant I discussed, and that guy pleaded out to a pretty low-level charge. But yeah, he did find that. He brought two cases against peripheral players in all this that had nothing to do with the initiation of the investigation. He lost both of those cases. He <laughs> lost them. So, and he hasn't charged anybody else. He didn't charge any high-level FBI official. He didn't charge any FBI official who was deeply involved in this investigation with doing anything wrong. He you know, suggested that the Clinton campaign somehow managed to kick off this investigation as a way to vilify Donald Trump. He indicted nobody 
involved with the Clinton administration for that uh, conspiracy theory. And what did he come out with this week? He basically comes out with an opinion that the FBI, instead of having, instead of opening a full investigation, FI in the bureaucratic term, back in July of 2016 into Russia and you know what Russia was doing and Trump's connections to Russia, it should have opened a preliminary investigation, a PI, mm -hmm. which is more low level. You have less authority to go after certain types of information. That's it. That's it. And, 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 and that's an opinion. That's a bureaucratic opinion. He, you know, he didn't even accuse the FBI of having political bias. He said there was a confirmation bias, which you probably can say about any bureaucratic <laughs> endeavor anywhere. One could say that Durham had a confirmation right. bias, right? So, you know, it, 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 what's, what's kind of frustrating is that some folks out there in the mainstream media, you named one, came out and said this exonerated Trump mm -hmm. and it was terrible for the FBI. Well, it was, it, you know, the FBI did screw up mm -hmm. it used the steel dossier to justify a surveillance warrant. That's true. Mm -hmm. But this has already been litigated and revealed and exposed. And the FBI has said it has imposed new guardrail so this wouldn't happen in the future so there's nothing new there and at the end of the day what's kind of new is that the hand-picked investigator by bill barr ends up not backing donald trump's claims that he was the victim of a deep state plot nevertheless he's out there saying this shows that the russian investigation was the crime of the century jim jordan uh, is out there saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. The New York Post, Breitbart, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and Lauren Bobert, they're all out there saying, aha. So the point of my piece, and I know this has been a little bit of a, a windy reply, is that even though in terms of reality, John Durham totally struck out, and this is an embarrassing uh, conclusion to a ineffectual investigation, he for the last four years, and including this week, has given ammo, has fed the trolls, mm -hmm. and given them, you know, the, the, I don't know, the veil, the veneer of, of, of a scandal without any, any substance to it. So that's how he succeeded. And it goes to the larger point that I do think Trump and his minions have succeeded in escaping culpability mm -hmm. and, and accountability for what happened in 2016 with the way the Trump campaign uh, was somewhat complicit. And I'm not saying it colluded. Right. You know, right-wingers who are listening, I know you have a big right-wing audience out there, <laughs> you know, don't jump at me. I'm not saying they colluded, but I am saying, <laughs> this is what I said in my book, Russian Roulette with Michael Isikoff, that Trump aided and abetted mm -hmm. an attack waged by a foreign adversary on the American democracy. And if you want to call that a betrayal, I wouldn't argue with that. Right. Well, and we're used to this uh, to a large degree. And I mean, I'll go back to the Mueller report when it was first introduced to us by Barr. It was bullshit. And what's so frustrating for like people like me, I'm not a reporter. I don't, I don't have my, you know, I'm not following every 
news story so closely. I'm just watching the bigger picture. And we constantly see the right and people who are liars and corrupt, you know, corrupt politicians getting away with this stuff. And so it's like, how, where do we go from here with this information where the right wing machine is taking this information as if they have won something big? And even though it's a big nothing burger, the right seems to be winning with this. How, where do we go from here? And how, how can we fix this? You know, you know, <clears throat> you don't pay me enough money for me to solve that problem. <laughs> I mean, there's no way, you know, to stop Fox News from being Fox News. Yeah. Um, Even a $787.5 million settlement hasn't stopped them from being Fox News. They're out there, you know, on on the Durham report and all the other stuff, weaponization weaponization of government, Mm -hmm. hearings that are going on now. They're out there just doing the same thing. They're just being perhaps a little bit more careful so they don't get sued again. I mean, I think the the large problem here is that we have a segment of the population that's in this pro-Trump conspiratorial bubble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a right-wing echo chamber that reinforces it. This is what they want to hear. And I think they're not reachable. I mm-hmm. don't think it's yeah. a matter of, of, of people who don't believe this persuading them that they're wrong. I don't think that's how human nature works. I don't think how you know the, the media information ecosystem operates. And so I you know now I, they're, a, they're a minority overall, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's 20 percent, 25 percent of the population. And I think what that means is that the rest of us have to combine coalesce come together mm-hmm. on what is a reality based perspective and view of what's going on whether it's about russia or climate change or the debt ceiling or anything else and and and, and sort of form a popular front uh, and wait for the the other side to you know die out to disperse <laughs> you know dilute itself and you know to me one place where there may be some given all this is you know is trying to continually you know put pressure on you know the mainstream media and i don't mm-hmm. use that as a pejorative term mm-hmm. to understand that it's not a, this is not a two sides issue there's not like there's not two sides to two plus two equals four mm-hmm. Okay, there's reality, there's things that are happening, there's things that are real. And when Trump gets out there and says, Durham proved that uh, there was a plot against me, well, no, he did not. That's not an opinion. That's a misstatement of facts, mm-hmm. right? And, and then the media, you know, it's, you know, it's got a lot better in calling out Trump's lies. The Washington Post does this. Uh, A.J. Salzberger uh, just did, gave us uh, a talked to on NPR and wrote a piece in which he said they want to call out they should call out lies. They're moving more towards this and they have over the last few years Trump has pushed them to do it. I'm not sure it's happened vigorously enough all the time. You see, still seem too many instances when they want to both sides it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, uh, uh, Christine Poor of CNN um, had a speech about this the other day that was very interesting too. Uh, so I think that's where we are. I think part of the population, sadly, is just lost 
and is detached from reality and is taking its cues from a media, a right-wing media, that is making money by peddling reality distortion. Wow. Okay, well, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. What do you think? Uh, yesterday, there were some rumors going on that Laura Ingram was out at Fox News, and it turned out, I mean, we haven't, I don't think that's true. If it is true, it has not been yeah. confirmed. But, you know, we did see Tucker leave they they got rid of tucker and we know why you know he had that one email that talked about how this is not how white men fight or whatever um how do you think that the the dominion lawsuit as well as the upcoming the smartmatic lawsuit um i think there's that other lawsuit by the woman whose name um i can't remember but talking about i can't remember her name but either way there's all these lawsuits against fox and clearly they are kind of trying to do something trying to show us they're doing something but oh, it does no <laughs> none of this stuff matters i mean whether they have jesse waters yeah or which Laura is probably Ingram worse and <laughs> you know the 10 o'clock slot it doesn't matter they're still going to be pitching the same you know, disinformation mm-hmm. you know right-wing disinformation and i hate saying that because it sounds hyperpartisan. I mean, I, 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 I've always said from the beginning, there's nothing wrong with there being a conservative news mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as it's being accurate. Right. Factual. Just right. Saying, you know, we believe that we should not have Obamacare, that people should just fend for themselves. And let's have, let's have a discussion and why we believe that. Okay. You know, that's fine. We believe there should be no immigration allowed. You should mm-hmm. shut down immigration. You know, if that's what if I mean if that's what their position is. Right. Okay, say that and talk about it. There's nothing you know, say, you know, this is you know what we're representing here. Um, but that's not what they do. They get out there and they put out, you know, as Kelly and Conway once called them, alternative mm-hmm. facts that aren't you know, they're alternative, but they're not facts. And they create this um echo chamber um in which you know their base becomes further radicalized um and begin and demands more and more red meat from them i mean yeah. this is what glenn beck did when he was on fox in 2009 and 2010 and saying that barack obama was a radical secret kenyan muslim socialist who had plans to set up you know concentration camps and ruin the economy so he could become an emperor now when i say that it sounds crazy talk yeah but that's literally what glenn beck said yeah and the audience kind of believes that and then when donald trump comes along you know they're primed to to, for that sort of approach to politics Mm -hmm. um so i i I mean whatever happens in laura ingram um doesn't matter whatever you know tucker being gone won't make much of a difference and he'll do what happens now he'll create his own show on twitter with elon <laughs> musk whatever that he's planning and doing and so he'll have that platform and someone else will take the yeah. you know uh the nine o'clock hour um on on fox it will and so there'll be more conservative voices spewing excuse me spewing the same nonsense um or the white supremacism yeah or the disinformation about russia and 
pro-Trump adulation, whatever, whatever it's going to be. So um, I don't, you know, until Fox has, you know, new leadership at the top that is committed to a different way of making money, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not going to change. The, 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 the Dominion lawsuit showed us that they see this rabid base out there as their uh, money shaker, mm-hmm. money maker. And that's, they're going to serve that base. Uh, and they, I'm afraid of losing it to Newsmax or OAN or anybody else that comes along. Right. Uh, and they're just going to continue to, you know, squeeze that base for profits using right wing propaganda to do so. Yeah, and that doesn't make me feel any better, but <laughs> um, I guess it's not all about me, is it? I, I, but it's so frustrating it can to see. Be. Why not? Let's make it all about Kimberly. <laughs> it's just so frustrating, though. You know, you, you're, you, you, we watch over and over again the people who are liars getting away with everything, and it's, it's so infuriating. And now I want to move over to the other article you, that you wrote. I guess it was earlier this week or last week about the messenger. And it's I just have to note that Michael Caputo, um, who interviewed Trump for the messenger. No, that was, it was Mark Caputo. Caputo. Mark Caputo. I'm sorry. Mark Caputo. So then I'm thinking of the wrong person. OK, then I was yes. thinking of Michael Caputo. You know who he is, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's much different. Yes, he's much different. OK, then good. I'm glad that it's not the same. But I, just throwing it out there, he blocked me on Twitter before I ever even knew who he was. And that makes me really uneasy. Like, why did this? How did I get on his radar and why did he block me? OK, but this is not about him. So Mark Caputo. OK, Mark Caputo interviewed Trump. You said he only had 30 minutes to interview him. But I want you to talk about and I like your Wendy answers, by the way. Um, I want you to talk <laughs> about. Uh, why this was an important interview, and I guess you can also maybe tie it to the CNN town hall. Yeah, well, it's important because you know there, there's a new website called The Messenger uh, that claims that the problem with media now is that it's too hyperpartisan and it wants to bring back objectivity and you know play it down the middle. And it, it launched this week, and it was started by a guy named Jimmy Finkelstein who happens to be a longtime pal of Donald Trump, who started a magazine called The Hill, which covers Congress, also was a partner in with The Hollywood Reporter, which covers Hollywood out in mm-hmm. L.A. Anyway, but so he's raised a, lo- a lot of money for this endeavor and has hired a couple dozen reporters, good reporters, people with good reputations, and that included the fellow who did the interview, Mark Caputo, who had worked for Politico and NBC News and is very very much an expert on politics in Florida. Yet, this interview, I mean, to call it a softball interview <laughs> is really not fair to people who play softball. <laughs> uh, I mean, the questions were like, you know, so did you think your town hall um, interview was a win? Right. Well, what is Donald Trump going to say? Exactly. To you know, I mean, th- these are the type of interviews I hate when, you know, you're going to get, you know, and they touted it as an exclusive and that Donald Trump, you know, said that maybe he wants to do other things, more things like this now. Well, big effing deal. So he wants to go on, on MSNBC or CBS or ABC. That's like a headline story. Of course he does. <laughs> and if he does, we'll see it happen. There's nothing new there, yeah. but throughout this 30 minute interview, which Trump probably gave to the messenger as a favor to his old friend, Jimmy Finkelstein, the, the founder, um, no questions about January 6th. No questions mm-hmm. about Trump wanting to shut down the, the provision of the Constitution to, um, to to get reinstated. No questions about Trump's efforts to overturn the election results. Uh, 
one or two mild questions about Trump saying he won 2020 when he didn't, but then Mark Caputo saying in the interview he wanted to move on. And so a lot of horse racing questions, like, what do you think about Ron DeSantis? <laughs> oh, I think he's a schmuck bag. Oh, yeah, what do you think Trump is going to say, right? And a lot, of, a lot of horse race questions, mm-hmm. which, you know, that means they're treating Trump like a typical politician. Mm-hmm. You know, not an autocratic wannabe. He tried to overthrow the government um, two, you know, two years ago. And not a guy who also said that he would party the, everyone arrested for January 6th. Mm-hmm. And that way, excuse and, and the violence and perhaps even encourage more violence. Not the guy who recently had dinner with a white nationalist and an anti-Semite mm-hmm. at Mar-a-Lago. Not the guy who has basically uh, supported QAnon in recent months, you know, tweeting out, well, it's not tweeting, social truthing, whatever you call it, but he does, um, memes that show him supporting, you know, QAnon conspiracy theory messages and memes. I mean, this guy is not a typical politician, but they treat him as such, Mm -hmm. as CNN did at the town hall meeting. And to me, you know, this gets back a little bit to what we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, when, when, when mainstream media does this, it gives a, a fellow who wants to destroy American democracy or who tried to destroy American democracy uh, an advantage. And it treats him as if he's a member of polite society, mm-hmm. not someone who wanted to blow up the constitutional order of the United States. It sends all the wrong messages and I, you know, that's why you know, this was a very, this Trump interview that the messenger did, what came out was the top story on the very day that they launched this new project. And I saw that as, okay, they think there's a problem out there. The media is not, you know, is too partisan. Well, it seems to me that with this interview, they're indicating that they're part of another problem. That is when the media can't acknowledge a threat to democracy mm-hmm. as a threat to democracy. Yeah, and and I feel like we're seeing that a lot. I mean, especially that CNN. Uh, he the day before the town or the rally. I'm sorry, the rally. I call it a rally. The town hall. Uh, he was just found guilty of sexual abuse. I mean, libel, but whatever. It's the same. And yeah, and and and, and like he wasn't even asked about that right in the messenger uh, interview. They're not a single question. Now this is, you know, this is it's kind of, you know, just take us take us moment and take a step back or take a mile step back. And you know, this is a guy who is former president, you know, leader of the Republican Party, now the current Republican leader in the 2024 race. He was found liable. It's not mm-hmm. guilty. That's but liable right. for sexually assaulting a woman. And defaming her, he is under investigation for stealing government property. Yeah. Those documents he took with him to Mar-a-Lago, he's under investigation for uh, in, in Georgia and presumably um, in federal charges relating to what he did um, with January sixth and overturning the election results. Um, and you don't ask any of this. And instead you say, well, what do you think about Ron DeSantis? Right. Oh, you know, it, it, that's, you know, you know, you know, the Washington Post says democracy dies in the darkness. That's mm-hmm. their grand motto. Uh, but it also dies when authoritarianism is normalized. Mm-hmm. And it can be normalized by a thousand nicks, which is sort of what happens every time Trump gets out there. 
and he's treated as if he's just another political candidate, that's you know another nick of normalization that is dangerous to our democracy. Yeah, absolutely. And then this brings me to your book, uh, American Psychosis. You wrote about the history of the GOP's decades-long relationship with the far-right extremism, and it, um, it, that provides the perfect context for the debate on the Republican Party, Trumpism, and fascism. So what I want to ask you, because like I look at it and I feel like you know, decades of defunding education, um, you've got the toxic right-wing talk radio, Fox News, a lot of that, you know, I mean, this, this, it goes way, 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 way back, but I always love to bring up, there was a book by, written by a woman named Claire Connor called Wrapped in the Flag, and her father was one of the founding members, along with Fred Koch, of the John Birch Society. And so, you know, they had a certain idea for America, and we're seeing it play out. I don't believe they really, I, unless I'm mistaken, I don't really believe they had legislative power until, uh, they started calling themselves the Tea Party. But it, the John Birchers and the Tea Party, you know, eventually it, evol- it evolved into MAGA, and, and now we have Q. But I'm, I'm wondering, you know, in your book, what, what is your overall message and what do you think helped create the environment we're in right now, which I don't know what my 25-year-old self would have even believed we would have been here. Right. Well, I, we don't have another two hours. So I know. Do the short version. <laughs> um, and that, the point of my book was to basically say that what what we see now uh, with MAGA extremism, semi-fascism, fascism, whatever you want to call it, is a continuation of the long-term, over seven decades, mm-hmm. relationship between the GOP and far-right extremism. You mentioned the John Birch Society. It starts a few years before that in the early 50s with McCarthyism, mm. uh, but then the you know, Republican Party uh, made common cause with segregationists, then with the new right and the religious right in the 70s, um, and Pat Robertson uh, in, the, in the 80s and 90s. And so what we see with Trump is not a new dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's intensified, he's accelerated, but the Republican Party has always had this ongoing relationship in which it has both encouraged and exploited far-right extremism. They've often kept it to the side. They didn't want to talk about it. It's a crazy uncle in the attic. Barry Goldwater made great use of the John Birch Society to get the nomination in 1964 and and beat back Nelson Rockefeller, a moderate Republican governor from New York, uh, who would have had a better chance of winning. But it's always been there. What's happened in the last few years and you know newt gingrich accelerated this that sarah palin spoke to this, these people and, mm-hmm. and brought them in as a member of the ticket in 2008 and then you mentioned the tea party in 2009 2010 um uh, and, and rush limbaugh and fox news mm-hmm. making the republicans more radical because they have to answer to this weaponized and radicalized base that 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 um, that Fox and that uh, Rush Limbaugh are inflaming. Mm-hmm. And then you get finally, you know, to Donald Trump in 2015, and he, you know, either sees this or he intuits it uh, that the base of the party has just been driven, you know, far, far to the right. They, they, they believe all the conspiracy theories, the birther stuff about Obama and about everything else. 
uh, George Soros or whatever, and he comes along, and you have 14, 15 candidates arguing about, oh, I'm Bobby Jindal, I have the best <laughs> conservative health care policy, and oh, I'm Scott Walker, I have the best conservative tax policy, oh, I'm Chris Christie, and I have the best you know, conservative law and order policy. And Trump comes along and goes, fuck that. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm just going to, you know, these people want red meat. They don't want policy. I'm going to give them red meat. So when yeah. a guy stands up at a Trump rally in November 2015 and says, what are you going to do about the Muslims? <laughs> he says, you know what? We're going to look into that. Yeah. And then he goes on Alex Jones's radio show, uh, the biggest conspiracy theorist in the land, and says, you're amazing. You do great work. Um, he's just out there, you know, throwing the red meat, you know, um, pushing conspiracy theories, extremism, and demonizing the Democrats and everything else. Uh, and by this point, the party faithful have been so conditioned that for some reason, Bobby Jindal's 10-point health care policy doesn't really compete right. with Donald Trump saying, you know, they want to destroy you and I'm going to destroy them first. Yeah. Right? So, um, but the point of my book, American Psychosis, is that this didn't come out of nowhere. The Republican Party had long cultivated and exploited this part of its base and basically teed them up for someone, for, for a right-wing demagogue like Trump to come along and steal them, steal that base out from under whatever you might call the Republican establishment. Hmm. Wow. Well, everybody needs to read this book. <laughs> so I think so. <laughs> and it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere books are sold. So you can go to Amazon, you can go to bookstores, it's just everywhere. And it's important, you know, I just want to say to my audience, it's, it's so important to understand where it all comes from because so many of us who you know may not be politicos or i mean i know a lot of people who listen to my show are junkies like i am but we don't always have the backstory so it's good to have the backstory thank you for writing it and also thank you for agreeing to be on the show i'm so pleased to get the opportunity to talk to you and i know you have limited time so why don't you tell everybody where to find you great um i mean i'm on <laughs> I'm on, I'm on Twitter for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at David Corn DC. But I've also migrated to basically every other platform <laughs> under the sun, which includes Mastodon, Post.News, and Spoutable. Um, Are you on Blue Sky on, yet? I just joined Blue Sky. Yeah, okay. Which was created by Jack Dorsey. I know. Uh, who gave us Twitter. Mm -hmm. But, um, but really, the best thing that people can do too to support my work is to sign up for my Rland newsletter, which comes out twice a week with all sorts of stuff about politics, but also culture and movies and TV shows and funny things as well. And you know, you can sign up for a free trial subscription at davidcorn.com. That's corn with a C, davidcorn.com. And that's really the best way to follow my work. Yes, and we all know you, David Korn. Um, of course, you can find me the same on uh, Twitter, author Kimberly on Spoutable. It's Kimberly Johnson, L-E-Y. My books are on Amazon. David, thank you so much. Been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>